I'm here in a residential part of San Francisco where the streets are lined with trees and Victorian buildings and it's a sunny day and we're about ready to go inside of this apartment building and interview Hecklina who's been a drag performer in San Francisco for a number of years at Tranny Shack, if you've heard of Tranny Shack. And for Christmas, Hecklina is putting together episodes of The Golden Girls, where all of the characters of The Golden Girls, she plays Dorothy, are played by drag queens. So there's a lot of comedy there. And we were thinking about how in the alternative community, like maybe if you are gay or kinky or transgender, you might not be accepted by your family. So what does that mean at a time like Christmas? You know, who do you spend Christmas with if your family maybe doesn't accept that you're gay or transgender or kinky or whatever kind of freak you are? So while we are thinking about unconditional love and family for the holidays, we're going to be talking about gender and identity and intentional family. This is Sexploration with Monica. Thanks for joining us. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is Sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. Hecklina, and you can see the accoutrements of her drag personality. You have maybe uh, hundreds of necklaces in a big pile over there. I have a lot of necklaces. I have all my jewelry out here in my living area. I have my bracelets over there. I have my rings. I have my huge arsenal of eyelashes. Eyelashes are important. Yes, very important. And so <laughs> my drag has bled over into my living area. Mm. I try to keep it all contained behind that door right there, all the dresses and wigs and everything. So, But yes, it, it bleeds. The accoutrement has bled into my living area. And so you've been performing in drag since the early 90s in San Francisco. Well, my first drag performance in San Francisco was in 1992, but it was kind of one of those things like a Halloween, try it once and see if you like it kind of thing. I didn't really begin performing in earnest in drag until 1996. And what draws you to it? What drew me to it back then was just being young and not really feeling like like I fit into the mainstream gay culture, the circuit parties, the machismo, the kind of, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was more drawn to for lack of a better word, the freaks or the alternative kind of gay scene. And a lot of it was drag performance and performance art and performance art nightclubs that I was really drawn to. And then that involved dabbling in drag. Mm. So uh, and actually, went my, I started doing theater in San Francisco. And little by little, I did little drag parts in these theater productions. And then, then I was working at the stud at the same time, the stud bar. And they asked me if I wanted to try. They saw that I knew a lot of colorful people, and they asked if I wanted to try a uh, a night of my own. So that was a Tuesday night, and I never thought it would be successful, and that was Tranny Shack, and, and it just kind of took off from there. So it started as a lark, as things do sometimes, and then it turned into this thing that I realized that I better become good at, and then I became good at it, and then I just continued to do it. And now there's been parts over the year where the years 
where I kind of got sick of doing it. But then little by little, I grew to accept the fact that I'd much rather do this thing than work in a cubicle in an office. You know oh, what I mean? Totally. I'm much, much happier doing doing something I like to do. So. And you really get to be so expressive and so huge and so sparkly and so... I mean, your name is about a volcano. Right, right, exactly. Heclina. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It wasn't the volcano that shut everything down a couple of years ago, but it's still the volcano. The, the volcano's name is Hecla? Uh, Hecla, yes. She named herself, the character, after an Icelandic volcano. Right, yeah, it was my first, uh, my first drag performance in San Francisco, and I just moved here from Iceland, and I, I was going to sing a song in Icelandic, and so... I thought, Hecla, Heclina, you know, it's just like I needed a name to perform to. And I just thought about it for five seconds and then it stuck. So three years later when I decided to, it wasn't a decision to be a professional drag queen, but I needed a moniker to go along with Tranny Shack. And so I just, rather than think of some other name, it was Heclina. And it's been great because, you know, no matter where I go, I can, gar- I can be guaranteed there's no other drag queens in any circle named Heclina. So I haven't had to, you know, people that do Anita Man or right. So Fond of Boys, there's, there's always one or two in every town. Right. You know what I mean? But nobody's ever taken that name. So. Right. Yeah. And how do you do the <clears throat> pronoun situation? Do you only use she when you're in drag? Yes. Well, I correct people when I'm in drag if they say he, but I'm not a stickler for the pronouns. I, of course, on, if, if I'm emceeing a show and I'm introducing a drag king, I use the pronoun he, drag queen, it's she. So, Well, sometimes it can be really tricky because we're so habituated to think of as some, you know, who they are. As, you know, if they were born a man, then we say he. And then people get so confused around gender that sometimes they start to say really kind of awkward and dehumanizing things like it and then get hung up on which bathroom a person uses. And I find that for transgender people who live as a different gender, sometimes that can be a real big trauma for them. Well, I think it's a, a kind of outrageous that somebody would refer to somebody as it. I know. But I, I, I don't understand the reluctance of people to just accept somebody for what they say they are. If somebody is transgender and they, they want to be a woman, they are a woman as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to argue with that person. But it's crazy to me when I go to towns... And I'll do a tranny shack event, which, by the way, I've had to battle with that that term. Lately, the term tranny has become very controversial, but that's a d- different issue. But these venues, and then it, we have drag performers going to the women's restroom, and then security is stopping them oh, and no. saying, you know what I mean? I'm like, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, this, we're in, this is 2012. You, you, you don't go up to somebody who's dressed as a woman and say, you're not a woman, you know, use the men's room. That's really degrading. Yeah, why don't you make them show you their stuff? Uh, right, exactly. Yes, charming. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's funny, though, because what we think of 2012 and what should be, you know, isn't like that. I mean, it's not like this in Iowa. You can't just walk down the street in women's clothing and expect that people aren't going to freak out in a lot of weird ways. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's weird because there are towns where I, like I was in Portland recently and I was getting ready for the show and the cab didn't come. So I was like, I'm just going to walk to the show. And I walked to the show. Of course, it was the weekend before Halloween, but nobody batted an eyelash. Nobody Mm -hmm. even looked. You know what I mean? I was this huge drag queen walking down the street. (laughs) With big, 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 big hair. Big, big hair. Big everything. Whereas, because Portland is a very progressive city and they've seen that and stuff and they're very trained to be culturally sensitive there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a white city, but it's a very uh, college-based, it's a very liberal city, so they're very, very sensitive about all that stuff. Whereas uh, I've in maybe in Reno, Nevada, mm. I've walked on the street, and it's just crazy the reactions I get from people. Like what? Just like, you know, cat calls and, you know, faggot and uh, the occasional guy going, you have a great ass for a dude, you know what I mean, or whatever. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah it's, it is crazy when I take myself out of the little bubble that we live in in San Francisco because it's so easy to forget that you do live in a bubble. And, and it's, it's a bubble that I'm constantly in because I, if I do travel, more often than not, I'm going to Los Angeles or Seattle or Portland or some other progressive quote progressive unquote city so occasionally when i find myself in places that aren't like that it's kind of like terrifying because you see how 80 80 percent of america is like this you know right so yeah we're here actually to talk about the golden girls because you have been doing christmas episodes of golden girls for for quite some time now be our seventh year doing it i don't know how well, I do know how it's become this tradition because people do love the show. They love the show Golden Girls. It's a gay classic. Every gay man, not, not I won't say every gay man, but many. A, it, many gay men love the show. They identify with the characters and they'll come to the show and they'll say, well, I'm Rose or I'm Blanche or I'm Dorothy and they get dressed up. And it's become a tradition because it's something that gay people can go to on, on the holidays, but they can also take their families too that are visiting them they can't really take their mom and dad to, to, to tranny shack because mm. they're, they're gonna be shocked by something they see but they can take their family to golden girls it's a it's probably the only family-friendly safe show that i do my uh, mom is devastated that she's <clears throat> missing it by the way i sent her a little link on youtube and she's like oh is it still gonna be playing in january but no it's not where does she live she lives in Alaska and Montana. She kind of moves back and forth now that she's retired. Oh, wow. But she's coming to San Francisco on, I think, the 4th of January. So she'll oh, have just missed it. Yeah, and she's yeah. just, she's like, no. How long is she here for? Three weeks. Oh, well, we might be doing a show at the end of January that you can bring her to, but it's more racy. We, we're, doing, we're doing a live stage production of Sex in the City. Oh, exciting. But it's dirtier than Golden Girls, of course. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> um, well, so Golden Girls, yeah. Um, it's also become this thing where we started doing it in a friend's parlor just over here in his mansion. He had a, like a little parlor in the front room, fit 50 people. And we thought, let's try it. And it became so successful that we had to move to a different venue because the, his neighbors were complaining. It was like, what are all these people coming to your house? They're blocking my driveway. Mm -hmm. and you, he, we just couldn't do it in his house anymore. So we moved it to a couple of venues, and then that became so successful that now we're doing the show in this huge, for us, huge theater, like 500 seats, you know? It's the Victoria Theater. Yeah, it's the Victoria Theater. On and 16th. Um, yeah, 16th and Mission. It's weird, because if you think about it, it's like we're, we're four drag queens and, and a couple of the people in the show recreating these episodes. It's a simple formula, but it's become very popular especially with the holidays. It's like Golden Girls, Drag Queens, the holidays. It's a combination that people can't resist it. You know what I mean? So Totally. And a lot of the episodes are about how the Golden Girls end up spending Christmas together kind of as a family, even though they're not related. But the, the weird thing about it is that the entire, in the entire seven seasons of the Golden Girls, they only ever did two actual Christmas-themed episodes. So we've had to take other episodes and Christmasify them. The Golden Girls were also, the reason why they're, I think they're also beloved with the gay communities because they tackled issues 
back in the 80s that were kind of controversial, like AIDS or uh, having gay people in, in your family and learning to accept them, abortion, uh, birth control, all that stuff. They tackle those issues. And so we have taken some of those gay episodes and we've Christmasified them where Blanche's brother comes to visit for the holidays. We wrote that, rewrote that that way. And he uh, tells Blanche he's gay and there's that whole drama. Mm. So we're doing that. And yeah, it's a family. I, I think the other reason why, if you look at the layers of the Golden Girls, the reason why gay people identify with it, because it is four people living together and getting along and they're not related. And I think so many gay men have had to make families like that for themselves because they don't get along with their own families. So they make families for themselves where, where they live. And I think a lot of gay men can try and picture themselves living in that household with those four women sitting around that uh, Christmas, the kitchen table, eating cheesecake, you know what I mean? All that stuff. So you can relate to those women. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about like how many people in basically any of the, you know, alternative sexuality related lifestyles, like being gay, being transgender, even being kinky, you know, if you're going to be out of the closet about being different, sometimes your family, you know, they may or may not react well to that. And, you know, if your family says, you can't come around here if you look like that, do you know what I mean? Then you have to figure out, you know, who am I going to spend Christmas with? That's a big reason why, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. My family is kind of going crazy at the moment. So I'm like, I'm not going away to visit my family for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I got to make my own little family here this year. And that's, of course, I'm lucky enough to actually have a relationship with my family. But I, so many gay men I've heard have been cast out by their families. And you know what I mean? That's mm. got to be terrible. It's the most painful stories I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially, I mean, it must be really difficult for a family. I'm just trying to imagine the scenario if your child is transgender, decides he doesn't, you know, he's in the wrong, he's the wrong sex. And then going back to Des Moines or whatever as a woman, you know what I mean? It's got to be really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the pronouns and yes. what your name is and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And maybe your f- parents feel like you're rejecting the child that they raised. Right. And also the religion that you were raised under and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. So what was the question? Oh, <laughs> we were just thinking about how we create our own intentional families. If we feel like, you know, we're freaks to the rest of the world, then we create our own sense of family. And what does family mean in that context? Well, I think very much it's a family that really wants to know about your life and become involved in your life and accepts you for what you're doing in your life. I will say that, and I think I, I have this experience with so many other gay men or gay people, gays and lesbians, I can't really talk about what's going on in my life with my actual family. They never, ever want to know anything about my shows. I feel like I can never share any successes I have with my, in my life and say, wow, I did a great show. And when I do go visit them for Thanksgiving... We get, get around, and, and I'm not alone in this. Like, nobody in my family talks really deeply with anybody else in the family about what's really going on. It's all just this veneer. And so I get the weirdest things, reactions from my family. I'm, I'm sitting there talking to them, and they go, oh, aren't you? You're in show business, right? Uh, it's always you're in show business. It's not that I put on women's clothing to make a living. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not, it's so, right. so it's and always, a little yeah. bit of pretending. There. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or I'm a, I'm a nightclub promoter, you know? Oh, you're a nightclub promoter. So they have this hazy idea of what I do because my dad knows what I do and my mom knows what I do, but they won't tell anybody else specifically what I do. But it's weird. Like when they need money or something, then I get the call because they know I make money doing this stuff. You know, it's like, but it's, it's not talked about 
how the money comes. It's like dirty money. <laughs> I, I, I get a feeling they'd be less ashamed if I robbed a bank or something. Oh, no. You know what I mean? No, I, it's not, it's not, right, not right, quite right, that right. bad, but you know what I mean? So <laughs> right. it's weird. But I have one relative, my father's sister, his youngest sister, who loves what I do, embraces what I do. She comes to San Francisco, visits me, gets in drag, is in the pride parade with me. She just loves it. And she really genuinely wants to know what's going on in my life. So, And that. she's a woman who gets into drag? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, so what do you mean by that? Well, she, I mean, she comes to visit me and she embraces the, the fact that I'm this drag persona. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put her in drag and she'll go out. In drag me. as a woman? Yeah. Oh, okay. Put a wig so on could, her and, yeah. So you could dress a woman up as a drag queen <clears throat> as well. Well, yeah, that's a whole movement it's a, in, in itself. It's called the folk queen movement. Faux queen. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, and, and, and there was a faux queen pageant recently here in San Francisco. So basically that is a drag queen trapped in the body of a genetic female and they want to express themselves and they want to perform and they want to be just like the drag queen. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've actually, I've actually experienced that. I just didn't know that there was a movement and a pageant going on. Oh, and there's many, many fabulous folk queens in San Francisco. Great performers. Because drag queens, I mean, they do womanness over the top in such a beautiful, sparkly, and big way. Like, men make the most amazing women. Right. Like, powerful and strong and big and sparkly. That you just can't help but just be odd and envious of it as you know your normal mousy self sitting there in the audience watching these women be tina turner and share and it's just marvelous well that's great that you say that because also there has been a little bit there's always going to be people that protest this or that or look at things to be uh, to be you're doing it to wrong. be offended by <laughs> oh well, no a lot of them think there's a lot of women especially in the les- lesbian community who go, you are obje- you are misogynist, you are oh. making a mockery of women, you're wearing these big boobs, you're wearing, you know what I mean, all this stuff. Right. Whereas really, when I look at women, like all the, all, my, all the people I really idolize or look at and go, wow, I want to look like that. They're all women. They're all like Elizabeth Taylor or, you know, like stuff like that. And to me, it's an homage to women. And that's why I think for me personally, I'll, I can never look at a drag king competition and be as entertained as a drag queen competition because fundamentally men's clothing and men's it's not as interesting to look at you can't do as many interesting things whereas with drag you can just do so much well that's because of the way that our culture treats gender masculinity comes along with browns and tweeds and Mm -hmm. suits and i'm not going to say that it's easy to become a man if you're a woman because you have to tape things down you have to you know your demeanor has to change completely but also i don't know how long it takes you to get ready but i i bet it takes some time it does i mean there are definitely days when i'm like i just have to get out of the house so i, I put on really quick makeup and i pull my wig down really low over my eyes <laughs> and I'm just gotta go do it but then there are times when i do take time I've definitely gotten quicker at it, and now I can get ready in maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes, whereas before... That's quicker. Yeah, whereas before, it used to take a couple hours. So when you first started, it would take one or two hours, or two or three hours? It would take about two and a half hours, or two hours to get ready. What sort of things do you have to do? Well, I have to glue down my eyebrows, first of all. You glue them down rather than plucking. Right, I have to glue them down and then cover them with foundation, cover the rest of my face with foundation, uh, and you I, shave, I imagine. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> then I have to contour my blush 
doing my my the most time consuming thing is the eye makeup. Because the eye makeup that drag queens do is so much more I don't know, it's big and almost cartoonish. Like I've seen some really interesting effects where they put eye characteristics in places where I wouldn't ordinarily think. Like they put eyeliner in really crazy places. Well, your eyes have to be much bigger than they actually are. So like for for me, I cover my actual eyebrows and I paint my eyebrows up above that so I have more room to to put eye makeup. <laughs> See? Yeah. They need more room. <clears throat> and because they want bigger and louder and brighter and sparklier, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I would say that's maybe like 50% of your, of what people look at are your eyes. But more important than that even is your hair. Right. because Really big hair. Really big hair because I have a big head. I'm a big guy. So if I wear tiny hair, it just looks wrong. It looks comical. Where I, So... I have to wear huge hair to make my features look smaller. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so there is a little bit of math involved. Absolutely, and I have to wear big breasts and big hips to make it all look proportional. So you pad the hips and the breasts as well. Oh yeah, you have to. Yeah, and then high, <laughs> and then big shoes. Uh-huh. So you're just this towering, huge thing. Yeah. So then it, it's almost like putting on an armor to go out into battle. I look at that sometimes. It, it's somehow that's how I feel like I don't feel like the same person and then when I put it all on I feel like I'm going out and you can your personality is just kind of amplified and you're right. just ready to go out and right. yeah and cause a ruckus or just take charge you're right. you're, you're going to take control I mean very much very often I have to be in charge mm-hmm. and people I think really they really are intimidated sometimes by this big huge hulking drag queen you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> so. Right, because you have shoulders like a football player, but right. also you have a hair like Huge hair uh, and Southern Beauty Queen. Right, big big wigs. So you keep all the other wigs in the closet there with all of this. Yeah, that's the wig that I'm wearing outfits. right now. That's a wig. That's actually a small wig. That's a wig I'm I'm wearing for uh, this character I'm doing in this show called. Oh, Roseanne. the Roseanne mm-hmm. show. Yeah, I saw that uh, on the Tranny Shack website. Yeah, that is actually my Darlene wig which is the Sarah Gilbert character, the, mm-hmm. the daughter. And he's saying that this is a small wig, and it actually probably poofs out on each side about a foot. Yeah. And then it's definitely even longer than shoulder-length hair. So I would say that this is at least a foot by a foot. Yeah. So that's the small wig. Yeah, that's a small wig. These are the big wigs. I'll just... I mean, of, of course, of course, they Let's can't go on a see little. It, we're going to go into the costume closet, and we're going to try really hard to describe everything. So this is, um, what, a six by four foot space going all the way up to the ceiling. And there are probably how many wigs in here? I don't know, because there's lots of wigs around that need to be restyled and stuff. 14. So that's 14 on this side. And so we have a really big blonde wig that is maybe, I mean, it comes out also at, at least a foot. And then it's a foot wide. And how long is this? This goes... Maybe all the way down to your butt in the back with little tendrily strands. Yeah. Okay, okay, because you ha- your butt yeah. is further away from right. your head, right? Because you're tall. Wow, it's very. There's a lot of hair and sparkles in here. That's for sure. Wow, and so this wig 
is kind of what is this like a almost like a bob back it, in the it's like old it's style. It's a bob, but then with with a, with it, a lot of hair on the, the top hair of the head. On top of it, yeah. So it's maybe off of the top of your head. That would be another seven or eight inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny the things that they used to do, like save their hair so that they could get more volume. Yeah. And over here we have the sequin dresses section. Mm-hmm. The longer. Gowns oh, and the purses, and oh, there's the the wig pile that mm-hmm. maybe needs to be managed. Right, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, when I get time, I'm what, sure I'll yeah. do that. And look at these shoes. Whoa, yeah. those are big shoes. Yeah, I just imagine that you have to spend a lot of money on clothes. Yeah, when I first started doing drag, I would go to Ross or whatever and buy dresses off the rack, but then, you know, step up your game and you're like, I can't, I have to make dresses that are actually made for me. So now I have people make me dresses. Dresses that you would never be able to go buy off the rack, you know. Or walk down the street in on a normal day, on no. a Tuesday. No, no, no. Yeah, it's nothing that you would see in the <laughs> office downtown. So as you are putting things together and organizing things for the gay community, what things have you learned about gender and community creation, you know, making people feel at home as who exactly that they are? I've just learned to accept everybody at face value in, in, in the sense of I don't walk around and go oh straight people or oh, don't like straight people or mm. don't like dykes or I don't like this. it's like if you're going to be a good person and accept others and stuff and come to the party and have a good time then you're welcome but if you are closed minded it doesn't matter what you are if you're closed minded because I've, I've seen gay people be more closed minded than any anybody I know you know what I mean it's just kind of like if you accept people then I'm going to accept you and that's really a corny way and it's really a pat way of saying it but it's really true. Mm. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if they're really, 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 really freakishly normal. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, of course, in, in my youth, I was like, oh, you have to be, you know, you have to wear a mohawk and be, you right. know, and dress alternative, alternative and all that stuff. But I, I, I don't, I don't really feel that way anymore. I feel like if you don't want to look like that and you are still somehow an interesting person to, to talk to or engage with. That's fine. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't feel like you have to walk around. And when I'm not Heclina or dressed up, I'm very normal looking because I think people want to get their exhibition out by maybe getting tattooed or pierced. Or, and that's their way of being exhibitionist. And get, but I get my attention, mm. you know, once you or twice a week. Met. I get that need met. So when I'm not up there doing it, I don't feel the need to have atten- be drawing attention to myself. Mm. Yeah, totally. Now, for people who've never been to Tranny Shack, can you describe it? Because you have it at the stud, Well, no, the gay bar. No, it was at the stud for a really, really long time. So it started at the stud, and it was a Tuesday night drag mess that happened uh, for uh, every week. <laughs> it was it was every week for 12 Was minutes. it a hot drag mess or it sometimes? Was, it was a hot drag mess, and it was uh, for every, every week for 12 and a half years, I did it at the stud, which is crazy. And then I quit the weekly club in 2008, and now I do bigger events. So it's changed. Tranny Shack, as we knew it, as people knew it, has is no longer that way, which was, this, you know, you always knew you'd go to the stud every Tuesday, and there was Tranny Shack. And now it's special events at DNA Lounge, and it's gone from being this little tiny show on a tiny stage that people really, really... Oh, and it was packed <clears throat> when I yeah. was there. I mean, it was shoulder-to-shoulder people, right. drag queens, gay people, straight people... Yeah. And this bar, which is maybe only, I don't know, 40 feet long, and then 
10 feet wide, something like that, not including the bar. I mean, people are just in there shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, it And it's crazy. sweaty and hot. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I can't believe, and this is how, an example of how far removed I was from everyday life when I started it. Like, I started it and I thought there was nothing wrong, in my opinion, with a Tuesday night, midnight drag show. I was like, because that, that was my... Of course re- yeah. people are going to go to that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that was that was my... They don't have jobs. Yeah, that was my reality. And you know what? <laughs> People did go, but I think it was different back then. People went out. People don't go out so much now because of the internet. I mean, the main reason people go out, especially in the gay community, is to get laid. The main because you do have to do that in yeah, person. Yeah. You can't do it on the internet. But now you can. Well, that's true. Yet now everybody's on Grinder, and so nobody's really going out. And so people don't go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But in the 90s, people went out every night of the week. So Tuesdays seemed like a natural thing for me. And at midnight, sure, why not? That's when you started the show. That's when the show started. started at midnight. And so (laughs) I can't even imagine. And then it was packed. It's crazy to me now to think about it because now I'm in my mid-40s at midnight on a Tuesday. I am not going anywhere. You know what I mean? So now the shows Especially are, not event, you know, s- s- managing an event that probably goes until 3, I yeah, imagine. went until 3, 3 a.m. So my reality was much different back. I started training shake in my 20s. I was usually awake every night until 4 or 5 a.m. I would go to bed. I would sleep until 2 or 3 in the afternoon. You know, I was not really... Doing the same thing as everyone else. Yeah, yeah. It was not really... I felt so rep- so far removed from everyday life. And, and right. to a certain extent, I still do. You know, I don't go to a day job or anything, but... But now Tranny Shack is a, it's a huge event at this huge venue with a huge stage, huger production. It's now gone like every number has like a video and lights mm-hmm. and smoke mm-hmm. and backup dancers and you know right. all this choreography and so it's it's changed. What were some of your favorite acts over the years doing Tranny Shack? Well, there was a lot of great performances, and the weird thing is people always ask me about twelve and a half years at the stud because it's become this legendary thing and. And the real truth of the matter is that I was so busy doing it and planning it that I don't really remember a whole lot of it. You didn't actually get to watch the show. I, I mean, I watched the show, but I don't remember. Like, I, I see footage of myself hosting the show and performing and being there, and I don't remember it because I was so in it. And then once the show was over, okay, on to the next show. Right, right. You know, you've never had time to really reflect on stuff. But I would say just there are certain years that were special to me you know in the late 90s and the performances and they were so artistic and then there were certain people that came to the show that were when we had pop stars show up and stuff like that you know it was like oh this is really a big deal this has become a san francisco thing you know what i mean like you realize this thing that you started very much by accident became a very important thing to a lot of people and to this day people say oh i met my husband at tranny shack or Oh, this happened at Tranny Shack. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, was, it was very important to a lot of people. Well, that's the thing about having alternative events. And even, I think, something that expresses something about either sexuality or gender or differentness really can express creativity is that you do create community around that. And packing that many people into such a small space, you know, people are bound to make friends. Yes, and enemies. So. Oh, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There has been a lot of drama over the years, too. But then it's great when those things get mended and patched up, too. Like, there was this person that I just performed in Palm Springs last weekend, and there was this crazy performer in the early days of Tranny Shack 
who was wanted citywide by the federal marshals. You go, you'd go to any retail store, and there was a mugshot of this person out of drag with these tweezed eyebrows, and I knew exactly who it was. And she performed at Tranny Shack, and I would always warn her because the marshals were outside looking in cars for her. But she would come in and drag, and the federal marshals didn't recognize her. But eventually they got her. Oh, and, no. she, and, and she And she went away to prison oh. for, it was credit card fraud, really intense credit card fraud. And she was, you know, strung out on crystal meth. And, oh. and then she performed at my show in Palm Springs this past weekend. And she was clean and sober. And she's got her life oh. together. So it's great when people, it's the opposite way. They start and they're, they're in the, the, you know, the hell. And right. they come out of it. And then they fix their lives. Figured it out. Figured it out. And then there's other people who are, you know, really promising. And then they go, they fall through the cracks. And they become addicted to drugs or whatever. Right. So <clears throat> I've seen a lot of that over the years. What are some ways that people can reach out to people who look like they might need help getting it together and, I don't know, create a safety net? Because you don't have your family there sometimes to help you or intervene or say, you know, hey, maybe you could. I mean, I know it's so hard to say something to someone when they're having problems. I mean, you don't want to criticize them when they're down, but also you want to let them know that you're there for them. Well, I, d- I think... Or ha- that there are resources somewhere. Right. Well, ha- having been through the ringer myself a little bit on, with drugs and alcohol, I can honestly say that you can't help somebody until they want to help themselves. I mean, you can talk to them until you're blue in the face and say, don't, you know, you got to change this, quit this behavior, but then nobody's going to do anything until... Your kitty would quite like some attention, oh, actually. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> kitty... You can't help anybody until they're ready to be helped. Right. All right. Okay, kitty. Yeah. You can become part of the interview, too. All right. Um, so your kitty also has an Icelandic name. Yes, Einar. It's Einar. It's a boy's name. And he is very, as you can hear, he's yeah. very spoiled. He's an older boy, and so he needs lots of attention. And he's probably mad that I'm even talking to you. Yeah. He's like, why are you... <laughs> why aren't why are you, you paying attention to me? Yes. Well, you know, it's important because I think also our pets become family and I kind of think of these relationships with people we don't really hug the mailman we don't really get to be fully (laughs) expressive of all of our emotions all the time and so we have these furry little creatures in our houses that become our containers for unconditional love both giving and receiving right right. you know that we can come home and Anar's never going to say, why did you not do the dishes? Right, right, or, right. why you know, maybe he might look at you like, how come you've been gone so long? But, you know, usually cats and pets are very good at giving and receiving unconditional love, and they do want attention. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the key to that is it's unconditional. They don't care if you don't have any money. They don't care if you're strung out or you're... Uh, you're, you're they don't... Okay, they, they don't care if you're screw-up. I don't have to say the F word. Yeah. They don't care about any of that stuff. All they care about is that... You know what I mean? Is that they get some affection and love, and of course, food. Right. <laughs> and but I and I think I think city life can be so alienating, and you do feel that mm-hmm. constant, you know, grind, the daily grind. Well, and you um, never connect with the people that you talk to or see. Right. Like you can go to the grocery store and have these totally superficial interactions, or even now that there's self checkout, you can just not even look anyone in the eyes. And you're and you're stepping over homeless people in the streets, yeah. and you're seeing these constant. You just you get sick sometimes of the grind of the urban existence mm-hmm. then you come home and there's your angel 
ready, <laughs> just greeting you and meowing, where have you been, where have you right, been, right, you know right. what I mean? And maybe he's just <clears throat> licked his hoo-ha, but that's okay. Oh, that's fine. I'm sure it's a lot cleaner than stuff you come in contact with out there. So Exactly, exactly. So what sort of things do you have planned for the holiday episode for the Golden Girls? What kind of episode is it? Well, like I said, so one of the episodes is an episode we've had to Christmas up. So it's it's the episode where Blanche's brother comes to visit, reveals he's homosexual. And then there's other like subplots in the mm-hmm. story with, with uh, Rose and... Dorothy and Sophia and the other one is our Christmas episode called Twas the Nightmare Before Christmas where all the girls are going off to visit their respective families and a storm hits Miami and they're stuck in Miami oh I think I saw that one on YouTube yeah yeah there's only two Christmas episodes like I said it's the only one that's funny and this is the funny one. Oh, so, the other one, the other, one that's well, the other one's too, a little bit too corny. It's where the oh. girls go to a soup kitchen and it's a very feel good. And it's just not right. very, yeah, this one's funny. I see. Because this one maybe feels more authentic. Exactly. And how can people find out more about Tranny Shack and the Golden Girls episode? Uh, go to trannyshack.com for all the information. There's information there about anything I'm doing. And specifically, because that's what we're selling, there, there is information about Golden Girls. Go to the Golden Girls. Golden Girls. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Hecklina. I really uh, love being in your house around all your wigs and stuff. I'm I'm very inspired to become more sparkly. Wow, you should. We we should put you in drag some one of these days. Oh my God, I would love that. No, seriously. I even back in Alaska when I was, you know, just becoming part of the queer community, feeling a little alienated because I didn't realize how queer I was yet. I just wanted to be a drag queen, and I was like, "How co- you know? How come when I dress up like a girl, I don't look like a drag queen?" <laughs> you need. I would love that. You need drag queen makeup. You can't. You can't. You, you have to wear over the top colors and stuff. So we'll talk about that later. Fabulous. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you. Heclina. Thanks for coming to my apartment. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically, or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com. dot <laughs> 